And that's a made-up thing. That's a made-up guitar piece I did there. Perfect timing. We we set the go live time to ten o'clock, and then we go live at ten fifteen, just like a proper rock star would, right? Actually, proper rock stars they they wait they make you wait at least half an hour. So I, I you know I didn't want to make you wait that long, just in case we go the full forty five minutes. Want to make myself. A good block of time to just sink into these waiver wire options. We're talking to Alan Soslowski at 11. So we're doing back-to-back shows. Rat-a-tat-tat. And, uh, well, the, I I don't want to uh, bury the lead or, uh, you know, distract us from any uh, focusing on the task at hand, which is always and forever to acquire Brand new box stuffing bell cow backs with juice, right? That's that's the always the priority. And when they come available, there's always excuses, right? There always seems to be excuses. And, and if there's not an excuse, then they're probably already rostered, right? And if they're not rostered, especially in deep leagues, there's usually some excuse like, well, we're all look no further than Tyler Algier. Right? Look no further. Here's the excuse machine. Oh, well, they're playing Tampa, and he's going to get shut down by the Tampa front seven, and then Damian Williams comes back, and then Cordero Patterson comes back. He might not score a single fantasy point. And it's like, wait a second. He's, he, he had a 10% target share in college. He has a 60th percentile speed score, and he was a dominant rusher throughout his college career in addition to the most important thing, which is why I said it first, being a target magnet out of the backfield. So he has all of these attributes you want, and he's also oh, 220 pounds, right? So let's just go back. Let's just, if you go to player profile, we can click on the, the little menu at the top next to the go-to. We go to college stats, and we see, oh, wow, this guy had an 1,100-yard season in the COVID year at BYU. And, and then he put up, oh, I don't know, 1,600 yards and 23 touchdowns, along with 28 receptions on 39 targets. Uh, he's good. He's, I'm also in a fantasy league with him. I'm in the, the, the sleeper bowl. I'm in the sleeper bowl with Tyler Algier. And it's funny, uh, Dave Kluge, our good friend Dave Kluge, drafted A.J. Dillon, who is also in the league, so that A.J. Dillon couldn't have A.J. Dillon, which was hilarious. But guess who drafted Tyler Algier in that league? By the way, sleeper, love him. The over-unders, love it. Promo code UNDERWORLD, get you a $100 instant deposit match. Also, $50 instant deposit match. It's a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. And you could potentially take the over on the Tyler Algier yardage. Maybe, maybe not. He is facing the Buccaneers in their front seven. That's ferocious. I get it. I get all the reasons why, right? But... We don't exist to ring the bell, the warning bell on Tyler Algier because why? Because, oh, uh, Damian Williams is set to return next week, right? Week six. Well, it's not week six yet, is it? Isn't it week five? I believe it's week five. Check the calendar. Yes. We used to have a calendar up there in the, in the studio. <laughs> Where it was always the it was set never never changed always the same month you always have buzzards in the comments going your calendar is never moving it's always the same month it's like listen guys I'm not a I, I don't I don't wake up in the morning and go to the calendar and be like what day is it oh, okay it's this day oh it's cool calendars right calendars man calendar talk Tyler Algier 
Don't overthink it. He's the primary back in Atlanta. Is it a great offense? No. Is he super explosive? No. He's not the perfect running back, right? It's not like Brees Hall was a free agent, okay? And is the lead back for the Eagles, right? No. That dream scenario of Brees Hall being a free agent in your fantasy league and being thrust into a starting role for the Eagles, the best team in the NFC, that, that see, that's not a thing. That's not a scenario we can hope for. This is a scenario we are hoping for. I have Tyler Algier in the Scott Fishbowl hoping for this scenario. Not an injury, but a scenario in which Algier may capture the majority of the touches, and that looks like that's what's going to happen in uh, week five. So that's good news. It's good news. Why are we burying the lead, distracting with Damian Williams? I don't know. Why are we burying the lead, talking about the Tampa Bay defense? If he's going to get all the touches, if the guy's going to, he's in line for 20 touches, right? He's going to line for 15 carries and five receptions. This is this is Tyler Algier. He's He is a pass catcher as well as a between-the-tackles grinder. And he'll probably score a touchdown. If they get in, in range, he'll score a touchdown. The problem is, will they get in range? So that that is the issue. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. It's a, it's a road game. It's at Tampa. I don't know how this thing is going to play out exactly. But it is a uh, high-ish total, right? So when I saw that, when I looked at this game, I thought maybe a 44-point total. And then I thought, well, 48. That's pretty good. So the implied points for the Falcons a little higher than I was expecting, given the strength of the Buccaneers' defense. All good signs for Algier, increasing the probability he scores a touchdown this week. You may or may not start him. This isn't a streaming play. This is a, he is the starting running back for the rest of the season. Because Damian Williams is going to come back. Damian Williams is in his 30s at this point. He's one of the most fragile running backs. He's probably more fragile than Raheem Mostert. He's going to come back. He's going to immediately pick up another shoulder injury or a rib injury or a foot injury or a knee injury or a glute injury or a finger injury or something, right? An eyelash maybe. And Damian Williams is going to play like a quarter and then it's going to go right back to the Tyler Algier show until Cordero Patterson returns. But even when Cordero Patterson returns, we're talking about a rookie who has some draft capital. It's not like he was undrafted, right? He was drafted in the fifth round, the early fifth round. So he's a running back that they like, okay? And if he's thrust into a starting role and he succeeds in that starting role and he thrives, it's not like Cordero Patterson's going to come back and they're going to rip it away. Cordero Patterson has always been a slashing, gadgety option, right? He's been a guy that's going to get you 8 to 12 carries a game, five receptions, that can stay the same with Algier getting more carries, right? And then Patterson comes back, Algier's receptions go down, maybe Patterson aggravates the... Who knows what happens with his knee? We don't know the exact uh, recovery timetable. We will find out. But in the meantime, I want Tyler Algier. When a rookie running back comes available on a team where it's clear that he is going to be the starter... That is a once-every-three-week event, which means you should be at least investing, say, 35%, a third of your budget. Think about it. Do the math. If these events happen, lightning strikes like three times in the first 10 weeks of a season, 
then you want to allocate your budget accordingly and put the 35 spot down on the Algiers when they come available. But the last running back to come available who's in this situation was uh, Jeff Wilson, right? Because Khalil Herbert wasn't available in many leagues, so I'm not counting Khalil Herbert. He was available in only super shallow leagues. Tyler Algiers is available in a lot of leagues, not the leagues I'm in because I have him already. Scott Fishball, I have him. The, the Big Dog Bash, I already have him because I know how many passes he caught and touchdowns he scored in his final year at BYU at 220 pounds. I know these things because I have playerprofiler.com and he's already stashed. Some of you haven't stashed him or you're in shallow leagues where there was, there was no way to fit him. I get it. Okay, cool. Well, now you can go get him, please. So yes, we're going to be out ahead on guys like Tyler Algier always and forever we're out ahead on guys like Tyler Algier. I mean, the best example of the guy is Isaiah Pacheco, right? Isaiah Pacheco, this is our guy, right? We're going to be fading Clyde Edwards Hilarious into oblivion, and we're always going to be way out ahead on Pacheco because he's like Algier, only he's explosive and he's on one of the best offenses. So there it's like, oh, my God. And he's available too. That's the thing. That's the thing is that Pacheco is available in a lot of leagues. You can always... Stash Pacheco, he he sort of roared up and had the 10 carries again because of the game script. Whenever they're up big, Pacheco's going to get in there, going to get his 10 carries, put up 50, 60 yards, and everyone's going to be like, oh, that's right, Pacheco. So you got to make sure you stashed him the week before. If he does come available, you just snatch him up, auto-snatch. I just want to make muscle memory, right? Muscle memory, auto-snatch guys like Pacheco, guys like Tyler Algier, because Tyler Algier's not in a backfield like Denver, where one guy goes down, like in this case, Javante Williams, well, it's going to revert over to Melvin Gordon, and they're going to sign Latavius Murray, and it's going to be muddled. No, the reason why we were stashing Algier is because that was a super shallow running back depth chart from the beginning. So it's, it was a clear path. Should anything happen to Patterson? Clear path. Clear path. Don't overthink it. Yeah, and Rashad White and Pacheco, are the best examples of these rookies that we covet so much. If Rashad White is somehow available in your league, and he is, he's available in some shallow leagues, I'd put a quarter of my budget on him. Yeah. He's a premium one-for-one -one handcuff on a great offense. right? Pacheco can't say that because of the presence of Jerick McKinnon. Jerick McKinnon's getting a, a huge snap share. Keyshawn Vaughn's not getting a huge snap share in Tampa. It's going to be the Rashad White show. They're already ramping him up. They've realized, hey, listen, we lack weaponry. We all, all these guys are hurt. We're trying to shoehorn in snaps and routes for Jalen Darden and Scotty Miller and get out of here. Let's just play two running backs, right? Let's let's put some Fournette or some White in the slot. That lets us play less Russell Gage. And it's not like Russell Gage is this explosive playmaker. Russell Gage was, was always a volume play with Russell Gage, and he's disappointed this year. Like, he's looking pretty dusty. That's just what he is. He's not Allen Robinson dusty. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, Allen Robinson last night. Oh, my God. Can we talk about this? The dust? I mean, cakes of dust. Caked on. What? What? <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's pathetic. Right? Right? But again, as we talked about in Top 10 Takeaways, drafting the Mike Williamses, the Cortland Suttons, the Jalen Waddles, even Rashad Bateman, now Hurt, Marquise Brown, all good process compared to drafting the Brandon Cookses and the Darnell Mooneys and the Terry McLaurins and the Deontay Johnsons, the wide receivers on the worst offenses. So 
if you did draft Allen Robinson, you have my permission to not be uh, too hard on yourself because he has been an elite talent in the league. He is in his 20s on a great team. So uh, the instant dust, you know, was sort of, there was signs last season that he was dusty. And so we those were reasons to uh, not draft him in the third round, but maybe consider him in the fourth round. But even then, <clears throat> right? <clears throat> it just I just prefer younger wide receivers. All else equal, I'm gonna push the button on a Bateman. I preferred, you know, in the FFWC, just happened to have a lot of Marquise Brown. I realized that, so that was cool, right? That was that was interesting. I didn't realize I had so much uh, Marquise Brown, so that was cool. Uh, so that was great, right? Uh, didn't know. There's a couple of players I didn't realize I had so much of uh, in the when it was I'm setting my lineups. It's like, wait, how many? How much Marquise Brown do I really have? Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, it helps when guys are super fast and explosive, and they're in their prime, and they're going to be the primary option for at least an extended period of time. That's always a good idea to go with those guys. Whereas Allen Robinson, uh, you know, he was uh, he showed some signs of decline, and then we knew he would be the clear number two. Uh, but I admit I was still pushing the button on him. I, I will happily admit that. I, I do not tell lies. Mike Boone is explosive. Mike Boone is very interesting, but I've been fooled so many times with the Mike Boones of the world that I'm not getting too excited. I know that uh, Melvin Gordon's fumbling, right? He's been fumbled four times this season. Four times? I, I thought it was Antonio Gibson. I thought Antonio Gibson was the most prolific fumbler. But no, it's clearly Melvin Gordon. He's caught this disease, this fumble disease. F I mean, four fumbles for a, a, a rotational back is crazy bad. Uh, Mike Boone is interesting. He has the 100 percentile burst score. I want to see him in this role, just like I want to see Eno Benjamin in a featured role, just like I want to see Chase Edmonds in a featured role. But alas, we are destined to just live a life of pain those of us the us sort of explosiveness connoisseurs the nfl coaching establishment will not allow us to have nice things we'll continue to chase the dragon uh whether it be pacheco or whoever we're just going to chase we're, we're going to chase the dragon forever right we're always going to chase the dragon because sometimes when the dragon hits the dragon wins you leagues so we'll we'll just keep you know We'll keep it was great right Dobbins right chasing that Dobbins dragon that's what it felt like see that's what it feels like right last week with Dobbins that's that's the feeling we're chasing we're chasing that feeling Boone is interesting for a couple different reasons unfortunately they signed Latavius Murray which was a giant bummer Latavius Murray is one of these instant plug-and-play running backs though it is a short week he doesn't know the playbook you can't expect him to command more than, say, 20 snaps, at most 10 touches for Latavius Murray. And if Melvin Gordon is rendered too fumble-prone or this neck injury limits him, we could see some Mike Boone against Indianapolis. Indianapolis, though, does have a, a pretty stout run defense. Uh, they're number 24 in fantasy points allowed to running backs this year. That's not great. So I'm not that excited. I wish I could be more excited. Normally, like... Uh, if you go back in the annals of time at Player Profiler, our fab guidance for deep leagues, it would have been like 25% Mike Boone three years ago. And then like 22% Mike, and then 18%. And now this year, 
you know, we've just been beaten down. So now I'm like, uh, maybe 15% in deep leagues and maybe just dabble in shallow leagues, if at all. Eh, right? It's just, I want to be more excited. I mean, we sh- week four got us excited. Mike Boone played more snaps. He doubled Melvin Gordon's snaps, more than doubled his routes, commanded three times as many targets as Melvin Gordon. But I, I just, I, I can't quite get there because he's 27 years old, right? When he's 27 years old, these journeyman running backs, they won't let us have nice things. We wanted it so many times to happen in Minnesota. It just, it, it just, this is, God, this makes me crazy because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to bid about the same on Murray, knowing it's probably going to be Murray in two weeks that, you know, Melvin Gordon sustains another injury. He gets like triple banged up fumbles again it's a it, the game is a washout right the the Colts defense is is stout against the run as we said and then next week it's looking like a Latavius Murray week I can already see it I can already close my eyes and see it I hate it I hate every I want everyone to know this isn't us this isn't our culture right we stand for Mike Boone's right but we also are reasonable and we're not trying to waste people's money or our own money. Our own, I'm not bidding so aggressively on Mike Boone because I'm terrified of Latavius Murray. I am. I, I don't know. Maybe you could say, well, ask, the chat should, should weigh in on this. Like, am I a, like a mentally broken by irrational coaches? Or am I now more rational as a fantasy football manager and decision maker and analyst? That I'm just I'm happy to get, just as happy to get Murray as I am Boone. I don't know. And uh, we 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 put all the exact, the precise fab bids on all these players. The suggested fab bidding is on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash podfather and our Discord, discord.gg forward slash player profiler. We mentioned Pacheco is a mustache. If he's available, I'd put at least 5% on him. I just want to make sure I get him. Right, same with Rashad White. Just want to make sure whatever you think is enough. If you're in a shallow league and Rashad White's out there, make sure you get him. Shallow, deep league, Pacheco's there. Make sure you get him. That's a different story, right? That's not a Mike Boone who's been out there for six years and has teased us for six years. Mike Boone's teased us. Okay, we haven't we haven't been teased into oblivion yet by Pacheco and Algier and Rashad White. So there much more likely to, to bid more aggressively and then also in Denver just scared of the Mike Boone shadow which is Latavius Murray God Latavius Murray he's gonna have weeks man I just know it I can feel it oh my god can you feel it he had a week last week what 60 plus yards and a touchdown out of nowhere <laughs> not exactly out of nowhere I mean I mean <laughs> Those that were able to wake up knowing that the NFL schedule had an early game in London knew that Kamara was out and may have considered Murray, though they were likely starting Ingram. Those people are actually serious about this game that we play called uh, fantasy football. Those that uh, are complaining to their commissioner that they started Kamara inadvertently uh, can go to hell. I just see this game getting dragged into the mud. I want Russell Wilson to prove that he is prolific Russ, that he can cook. He has not yet proven it. He's come close 
in a in a in a super soft matchup against the Raiders. I want to see Russ do it again against the Colts. I want to see him do it again. Uh, I I want to see more from Marcus Mariota as well. So again, I'm gonna aggressively go after Algier, knowing that this is probably not the week, right? Tampa. You when you think about this game, Tampa at home against the Falcons, this really feels like a sort of final stand week for Marcus Mariota. Last week it was Mitchell Trubisky. This week. After Mar- Mariota just flamed out hard last week, now going to Tampa, it just sets up for sort of a desperation week for Mariota where, yes, Tampa is typically a defense you want to start wide receivers against, Kyle Pitts against. I'm just, I worry about this game. I worry that this is going to be a Desmond Ritter game where after, you know, what, zero touchdowns, three interceptions, he do, couldn't even get to 150 passing yards. I mean, seven total completions against Cleveland. That was a home game for Mariota. So Mariota's heading in the wrong direction. Defenses have have clearly gone back to the film of Mariota from a couple years ago and be like, oh, yeah, this is why he got benched for Tannehill. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, remember, they benched the number two overall pick. Just threw the towel in. Just said, here's the towel. We're throwing it away. It's It's in. Bring in the guy, the retread guy from Miami. And, oh, this guy's actually way better. Than this Mariota guy who, he's not good. You know, he's a mobile guy, streamable sometimes, maybe. But, uh, you know, completely and utterly uh, torpedoed you last week if you streamed him. And that was supposedly a decent, fine matchup because, hey, it's it's, it's a home game. (laughs) This is setting up to be a blowout. It's setting up to be a blowout. It's setting up to be a Fournette game. But then also, maybe Rashad White in the fourth quarter. It's also setting up to be a Rashad White fourth quarter game. So when I see these kinds of games coming, when I see them in my mind's eye, I'm like, oh man, this feels this feels like just a, a you know a, a death rattle game for Marcus Mariota. Good name for the show, Marcus Mariota death rattle. And when you see these things coming, that's why you want to. That's where these parlay props come into play. So like no house advantage, for example, no house advantage. You can put together these prop parlays. So this is one of those situations where I would say, hey, I'm going to go under. I'm going to go under on Mariota. I'm going to go under on London. I'm going to go under on Pitts. You can go under on Brady, under on Evans, and then just over on one guy, over on the game flow, over on the script, over on Fournette. And then that's it, right? You just go all unders and then one over. And then it just makes sense. Like, okay, if the game goes this direction... All these things should hit, and then I get my 10x, my 20x. So no house advantage. They specialize in these prop parlays. Promo code Underworld, you get a $25 instant deposit match. Instant deposit match up to $25 with code Underworld on no house advantage. And that would be the game to play. That would be the game where I can see it. I can see it. I could close my eyes and just see see how this thing is going to play out. Uh Marcus Mariota is already terrified about this game. He's already scared. Like he's already he's a, he's been a, been a scared game manager, a fearful game manager his entire career, and and that's the reason why I might bid aggressively for Algier, but then not actually play him because it is is the long game. This is a an incredibly shallow running back depth chart in Atlanta, and you're getting Algier for the season, not necessarily for this week. And do not let Damian Williams, the 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 the, uh, the impending return of Damian Williams, dissuade you. 
Another explosive running back who may be thrust into action is Deion Jackson. Now, will Jonathan Taylor play? Probably, but it is a short week. Naheem Hines is largely rostered. And I go to playerprofiler.com, I type in Deion Jackson, I type, 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 type. And it's interesting, you know, this guy's got a 90th percentile speed score. He's only 23 years old. He was not a monster producer, so I'm not as bullish on him as I am Algier because he was not super productive in college. But a lot of running backs that have their moments were not necessarily super productive in college. Alvin Kamara was not productive in college. Spoiler alert, right? Raheem Mostert barely played running back in college. He was a special teamer. So it's not that crazy. It's not that crazy. And so this is what you could do. You, you, if you're in one of these like FFPC, FFWC leagues, a lot of these high-stakes leagues, they let you pick guys up on Wednesday, see what happens on Thursday night football, you keep them on the bench, and you can drop them. Like if Taylor plays and he's productive, then you just drop Jackson. But if something happens to Taylor, he re-aggravates the injury, or wait, re-aggravates or aggravates? Okay, I think he if he had re if he had aggravated it, then it would be a re-aggravation, but he hasn't yet aggravated it, so it would be a straight-up aggravation of the ankle injury. So I just want everyone to be aware of Deion Jackson. He's interesting. He's more interesting than Caleb Huntley. I know Caleb Huntley got the 10 carries. Caleb Huntley is a straight-up grinder. He is a, you know, basically a Cadre Olison upgrade, which isn't interesting to me. So maybe you stash him in deep leagues just because of the depth chart is so shallow, but that would be the only reason. Keep Eno Benjamin, Kenny Gainwell, Jalen Warren, Craig Reynolds, Zamir White. Keep them all stashed. They are on great offenses. They have all-purpose skill sets, and they are currently the direct backups. So th those would be my favorite running backs with juice to stash at wide receiver. It's all about George Pickens. I know he's not available in most leagues that are serious, but he is available in some leagues on Yahoo. Like, I think more than 50% of leagues, which is a little bit wild, but okay, right? I mean, he's the ultimate, like, handcuff wide receiver. Anything happens to Deontay Johnson or Chase Claypool, Pickens was a monster, right? He was, the, you know, the ultimate wide receiver handcuff with standalone value because he could get thrust into a starting two-receiver role just based on the fact that he's a better player then Chase Claypool, and then this is the week it happened, where you saw the snap share shift, where Claypool came down to 70%, Pickens went up to 70%, and now there's parity, and when they're running routes equally, the equal number of routes per game, who's going to get the targets? Of course, it's Pickens. Pickens is awesome. We talked about him in, in the Top 10 Takeaway Show. We don't need to go into it anymore. I mean, we're talking about young, athletic, early breakout age and fell in the draft for all the wrong reasons that he was too intense. Remember he was too intense for the NFL. That's why he fell in the draft. Just bizarre. Like what? It's just to go Christian Watson over him. Oh God. To go Wandale Robinson over him, to go Tyquan Thornton over George Pickens is so inexcusable. And I, just, I remember where we were in Vegas covering the draft in that cool house with the Airbnb house. And I just remember, I was like, what? Like, Tyquan Thornton? How? Wandale Robinson? I mean, Wandale Robinson's a fun player, but what? Come on. So now we're seeing what's happening, right? Pickett's coming in. Pickett's an upgrade. This offense is going to... Ah, Steelers are going to win some games with Kenny Pickett. 
I mean, I think Kenny Pickett's good. Kenny Pickett's rising in the dynasty rankings. You should see where Kenny Pickett is in the dynasty rankings. Oh, Kenny Pickett's happening. And there are some there are some players that are falling in the dynasty rankings too. Like, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, Matthew Stafford, right? Matthew Stafford. What? Like, if you haven't had Matthew Stafford on the block the last couple weeks in dynasty, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, we haven't done a Sonic Truth pod, so I haven't been here to to you know lay it out specifically. You know, to connect the dots, one plus one equals two. But uh, Matthew Stafford, if he's this unproductive with Cooper Cup, that's bad, right? So there's a bunch of uh, quarterbacks I would rather have, including Kenny Pickett. I'd rather have Kenny Pickett than Matthew Stafford. That's that is a true fact. That is it. Come at me, chat. What do you think, Kenny Pickett? You tell me, Kenny Pickett, Matthew Stafford, and Dynasty. I think it's easy. One guy's a Konami QB, and he clearly has the it factor. The other guy was a Konami QB briefly, and then he shattered all of his collarbones. And now he's uh, just a sort of an aging a pocket passer with a bad back who can't fully utilize uh, Allen Robinson. So, uh, yeah. Mm. I mean, I think that's why Allen Robinson's ADP pulled back at the end of the summer because of the, the Matthew Stafford back concerns. So if you avoided him just for that reason, I mean, congratulations. Oh, man, I just can't get over this. The Allen, the Allen Robinson dust uh, phenomenon is, uh, wow, wow. He really is Des Bryant in every way. He's best comparable to Des Bryant on player profile, and he is exactly Des Bryant. Oh, my God. I Oh, God. Yeah. God. If he was so good, why did he get so grossly outproduced by Darnell Mooney in 2021? Would have been a nice question to ask, right? Would have been. Would have been a nice question for me to ask. Any guest all summer. I'm clearly tilting. Rams players, Akers and Robinson, like tilting. Why? Because at its baseline, it's good process to get size, speed, productive players with a history of commanding touches and targets in great offenses. Fundamentally, that's the starting point. And then you've got to go deeper and decide, are these guys actually values at their ADPs? And then you have to come to a decision. That's the difficulty of our job. And uh, so that that's why it's particularly tilting. That's particularly tilting because the Rams offense was supposed to be good and it's not. So that, that makes it very difficult. That was a difficult situation. <sighs> if Allen Robinson is dropped to waivers, we should talk about this. If Allen Robinson is dropped to waivers, I don't think I'm picking him up. I would rather have George Pickens. I would rather have Michael Gallup. Wouldn't you rather have Michael Gallup? Right, Michael Gallup like has the potential of Allen Robinson, but he hasn't disproven it yet like Allen Robinson has. So Michael Gallup is interesting. You could definitely bid on him, You know, maybe half of what you're bidding on Pickens in uh, these shallow leagues. And again, we don't overbid on wide receivers at all. As much as I want to get Pickens, if he's available in a shallow league, I'm not I'm not going to bend my will. I'm not going to put a 50% bid. Someone else will because, we, again, we hold our bidding back for uh, running backs. Pickens is going to be very volatile this year with a rookie quarterback, with Deontay Johnson across the field and Fryer Muth. He's not going to be consistent. So that's the reason why I, I had that hard cap of like a 20% bid on Pickens in a shallow league and then call it a day. That's fine. The guy I'm most interested in, because he's available in a lot more leagues, is Rondale Moore. 
So Rondell Moore was dominating the snaps and routes. He totally supplanted Greg Dorch from the jump. As soon as he got back, as soon as he was active, it was his job, that sort of flanker role, right? Because they're they're playing Marquise Brown at X, which is fine, right? And then now they, they have... Rondell Moore, it's at least it's better to have him in this flanker role where he can at least get like a 10-yard target depth as opposed to the, you know, hanging around the line of scrimmage gadget role, right? That's not what you want. You don't want him to be Paris Campbell. You don't want that. You at least want him in this flanker role. He can do some double moves. He can get deep. He can also catch the bubble screens. And he's, he can do all that. He has the speed to get deep. He has playmaking ability. They play the Eagles this week. You know the Eagles have lockdown corners on the outside, so this would be a week to, to potentially, you know, not play Marquise Brown so heavily in DFS for the first time this year. But when you think about the last team to face the Eagles, the Jaguars had a player in this role, Jamal Agnew, right? And Jamal Agnew had a, had a productive week. So, you know, and Marvin Jones had like zero yards. Marvin Jones was erased. That's the price you pay when you play the Eagles. But there was also conditions, right? There was also the 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 rain and the wind, and Trevor Lawrence really struggled in those conditions. Uh, and uh, I did post on the Discord, the Top 10 Takeaways Discord, I did post a, a, um, a, a new EPA, or not an old, a new old EPA chart, because we talked about the EPA chart in the Top 10 Takeaways and how... Lawrence has been one of the least efficient quarterbacks in the league, but EPA factors in fumbles significantly. You get massive punishment for fumbles, and if he's going to fumble four times in the rain and the wind against one of the best defenses in the league, then you you need to give him some benefit of the doubt that if the conditions were better, if it wasn't a hurricane, probably doesn't fumble that many times, maybe half the number of fumbles, and then he's he's more has like average efficiency average epa over expectation because through three weeks his epa over expectation was well above average so i was accused of being unfair to trevor lawrence in the top 10 takeaway show and i agree i'm i'm officially less worried about trevor lawrence than i was uh, previously understanding all the context i did not have all the context i agree i did not know what his epa over expectation was the previous week And I I was not fully aware of just how unlucky he was in week four. I've been totally educated by the audience on this. This is why you tune into every show so you can get all the correct takes. And and also, I was told that I have an 8 out of 10 concern on Michael Pittman. That isn't true. I don't know. If I said it, I misspoke because I did not mean to say that. I think that there's an 8 out of 10 concern on the Colts. 8 out of 10 concern on uh, Matt Ryan, but no matter how bad Matt Ryan is, Michael Pittman's still the primary option. And the primary option, based on the Tom Savage corollary, is he's always going to get you know 8 targets a game on average. He's going to deliver. He, he's great in contested situations. He just, if you're worried, if it was an 8 out of 10 concern on his ceiling outcome, then that would be true. But it's not a total 8 out of 10 concern. No way. I'm more like a a three out of 10. I'm not concerned about Michael Pittman, right? He's been productive. Even in the first game back from the quad injury, he put up 15 fantasy points. Now, again, I think it was against Kansas city. So the, the game conditions were great for him. So he's just, he's going to be more volatile than we thought. He, his ceiling has been lowered. 
but what does that mean? That that you're not you're not going to bench him. It's not like Allen Robinson level drop. It's like well, see the thing is like I'm not even concerned about Allen Robinson anymore. He's not on my team anymore. He's gone, right? So it's like there's no really even there's nothing to talk about. Like every obviously everyone's level of concern on Allen Robinson is now ten out of ten, and he's gone. It's over. So it's like okay, fine. Like there's nothing to be worried about. He's 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 not a thing that you need to pay attention to ever again. After the show, we won't talk about him again. Okay. Michael Pittman is, is young. He's explosive. He's exactly the type of player we, we love. He commands targets. He is great in contested situations, as I mentioned. So no, no, in a vacuum, he's still going to be, Matt Ryan is still a functional quarterback, barely, but still functional. And long as Matt Ryan is still functional, my concern, my overall, my overall concern level on Michael Pittman is like a three out of ten, and I think I mentioned that he's a potential trade candidate where you could actually acquire him, like you you, you could you trade target actually, um, and I would not put him on the block if I had him. So that was somehow misconstrued or I misspoke. Either way, want to make sure I corrected that. So a lot of corrections from the top ten takeaway show, which makes sense, right? We wake up. Monday morning, turn the camera on, turn the mic on, and then, then we have the top 10 takeaway show to correct it. And then we also have Alan Soslowski coming on in a minute. Uh, I just want to make sure that if DJ Chark is dropped, you pick him up. If Josh Palmer is dropped, you pick him up. Zay Jones, pick him up. Corey Davis, I don't, I can't play him with any confidence. Nico Collins, can't play him with confidence. I'm stashing Wandell Robinson, though. Wandale Robinson's going to be the primary guy when he, as soon as he comes back. He's, he's going to be the Wandale Robinson show. I'm stashing Wandale Robinson. Sky Moore's route participation in Snapshare jumped up into in, in the 20% range. That's interesting. He's stashable in deep leagues if he's available. I'm still streaming tight ends in a, a couple leagues. Njoku worked out. You're welcome. Still Conklin is available in a lot of leagues. If not Conklin, Tunyon scored the touchdown. You're welcome. QB streamers, Geno Smith, Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett, Geno Smith. If you got to go deeper, though, if you got to go deeper, I mean, I hate to end the show on this because this is not the way you like to end shows, but Andy Dalton has Chris Olave, may get Michael Thomas back, may get Alvin Kamara back. Jawan Johnson is athletic for a tight end. He's interesting. Andy Dalton is interesting. I, I, I don't hate it. He's playing Seattle. It's a great matchup for him. It's going to be a high-scoring game. If it's Jameis Winston, that's also someone you could stream, I guess. I don't... He's not He's not right. Jameis Winston's not right. He needs multiple weeks off. I think they will give him multiple weeks off. So, yes, I, I would... Winston's more rostered than Dalton. And uh, it's possible Dalton's available even in shallower two-quarterback and super-flex leagues. And so I, I just want to remind everybody about the weapons and the matchup for Andy Dalton. And you, if he's starting, he's certainly playable in those formats. And uh, that's the show. Ugh.
And be sure to check out playerprofiler.com. We have all the tools for you to dominate every type of fantasy league. We have a draft kit, Dynasty Deluxe, Data Analysis, DFS Dominator, and don't forget the player rankings to rule them all.